The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We kick things off on this new trading week with the major averages at all-time highs as earnings season kicks off in earnest. Futures are pointing to more gains. Also on the campaign trail, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he ends his bid for the Republican presidential nomination, setting up a head-to-head between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump in New Hampshire. Also, more trouble for Boeing as the FAA tells airlines to expand their fleet inspections for more loose door panels. We'll be talking much more about that later in the show. Plus, a group of investors looks to get hostile with big box retailer Macy's. And then later in the show, top takeaways from city CEO Jane Frazier and her lunch with, who else, Warren Buffett. It's Monday, January the 22nd, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. I hope you had a great weekend. But now, let's get you ready to start your day. We kick off the hour with a check of U.S. stock futures coming off a really blockbuster week for trading. Take a look. In the green across the board, looks like the Dow would open up 50 points higher. But again, it's early. So ahead of the open, the Dow, the S&P 500, and the Nasdaq, all three of them, they're all set to push further into record territory after the broad-based rally on Friday that saw all the major averages close more than 1% higher and the Dow log its best day since mid-November. Excuse me, mid-December. This head of a busy week of earnings with nearly one-third of the Dow set to report. You can see it's a pretty full slate. I'm blocking some of it. We also have 69 S&P 500 companies due out, including some very big ones, Netflix, Tesla, and United. We'll talk about United just a short time later. Checking the bond market this morning also, we have the 10, the 20, and the 30-year yields all at their highest level in more than five weeks. Taking a look at the benchmark, we see it coming in at 4.12% right now. We also want to check energy, specifically oil. Taking a look at WTI, the U.S. benchmark, up fractionally right now, trading at just about 73.50 a barrel. Brent crude down fractionally, and that is your morning setup. Now, we want to get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good Monday morning to you. Well, U.S. regulators are recommending airlines expand their inspections of Boeing jets beyond the MAX 9 to include those not involved in that Alaska Airlines uh, door panel blowout. Now, in a notice to companies late last night, the FAA says airlines should also look at their fleets of 737-900 ER variants if their door plugs are properly secured. Now, the 737-900ER is not part of the newer MAX fleet, but it does have the same optional door plug design that allows for the addition of an extra emergency exit door. Meanwhile, Arc House Management and Brigade Capital Management are threatening to bring their 58 billion dollar bid to take Macy's private directly to shareholders, setting up what could be a battle for boardroom seats or even a hostile takeover. Now, the move coming after Macy's yesterday rejected the group's proposal over deal financing and evaluation concerns. And JetBlue Airways and Spirit Airlines are appealing a court ruling from last week, one that blocked the duo's planned $3.8 billion merger and sent Spirit shares into a tailspin. In a press release, 
JetBlue offering no new details with regards to the merger, only adding the process is, quote, consistent with the requirements of the merger agreement, Spirit and JetBlue shares. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, right now, Spirit Airlines is higher in the pre-market, up almost uh, 5%. JetBlue is slightly lower, Frank. All right, Silvano, we're talking much more about the airline sector later in the show, and we'll see you later in the show as well. Thank see you. See you later, Frank. All right, turn our attention to a developing story and the 2024 campaign trail as Florida Governor Ron DeSantis officially suspends his bid for the Republican presidential nomination. That decision coming just two days before the New Hampshire primary. NBC's Bree Jackson joins me now from Manchester, New Hampshire, with the very latest from the Granite State. Bree, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, this came as a bit of a surprise here in Manchester, New Hampshire. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announcing that he's suspending his campaign after his highly anticipated rollout uh, in jumping into this presidential race. And it comes after DeSantis's distant second place finish in the Iowa caucus and just days before voters here in New Hampshire head to the polls to weigh in on who they think the presidential nominees should be. And so, Frank, a little bit more perspective about all this. So all this comes uh, as former President Trump is trying to really try to secure uh, the GOP nomination. So now it becomes a one-on-one -on -one matchup. This is a matchup that former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley has said uh, that she has been waiting for. So she really wants to try to gain ground here in New Hampshire. She's hoping to pick up some of the moderate and independent voters uh, that are here. Uh, former Governor, or excuse me, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he did endorse former President Trump in that announcement that he made on uh, X last night in the video that he posted. And so Trump thanked DeSantis for that. Uh, but it remains to be seen what happens next. So we do know that there are going to be about a dozen or excuse me, two dozen uh, people's uh, Republican presidential potential presidential nominees, uh, at least their names are going to appear on the, the primary ballot here in New Hampshire. So the majority of those votes are expected to go to former President Trump and Nikki Haley. Uh, but it remains to be seen which of those two campaigns benefits the most from Ron DeSantis dropping out. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, back in 2016, former President Trump actually held a rally in New Hampshire the night before the election. So he has a lot of support there. We'll have to see how it all plays out. Thank you so much, Bree Jackson, live from New Hampshire. Great to see you. All right, turn our attention back to Wall Street and the S&P 500 posting its first record close in more than two years on Friday. Take a look. The index finishing at 48.39, topping the previous record close of 47.96 on January the 3rd, all the way back in 2022. The move also breaking a streak of 512 trading days without a new closing high. That is the longest stretch since such a period from October of 2007 to March 2013. That's a streak of 1,375 days. I had to read that a few times myself. Let's get more perspective on this milestone in the broader picture with Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist at the Carson Group. Ryan, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me back. All right. So we saw the new record high last week, and you gave us some research about new record highs. They're generally a very bullish sign. You say, according to your research, 92% of the time, the market has about a 12% rise over the next 12 months after that new record high. Do you see the setup for the same trend? 
Yeah, we do, Frank. I've come on you for a while saying we're overweight equities, thought we're going to hit new highs, and we're still bullish this year. So let's just think about this. Since 1957, when the S&P became 500 stocks, there have been almost 1,200 new all-time highs. So they happen often. And the average return after just any random all-time high is about average, like about 9% a year later. But here's where it gets interesting, Frank, what you just talked about. When you go at least a year without an all-time high, so a while. Again, we just went two years, like you said, without an all-time high. The returns get really, really good. Not too surprising, right? You've gone a while without a new high. Higher a year later, 12 out of 13 times, like you just mentioned there, but also up like about 12% on average or so. And the median returns are actually even better. So just to put a bow on this, hey, we've got a long time without a new high. We all know that. And now that we're there, we can get into some other reasons we're optimistic. We okay. still think, you know, stocks can do pretty well here. All right, so you say they're going to do pretty well long term, but we have another one of your charts we're going to show the audience. This one's yep. interesting. So after a 20% gain, we're not talking about the record high now, we're talking about the over 20% gain, uh, annual weakness is pretty common, at least in the near term, after that gain. So even though you're expecting a strong year, should we expect a pretty rocky rest of January, a pretty rocky rest of February? We well, think that's that's very possible. I mean, again, we're not oh, we're making all time highs, so by no means are we bearish. But you're right. When you gain 20 percent the year before that first quarter can be choppy. And here's the other one, Frank, layer on that, as you just talked about with all the election stuff, election years. The first quarter of election year is usually not that strong. It's later in an election year when you get that upward bias. So believe me, we're still optimistic. But if we had some indigestion here, maybe a little excitement because we hit all time highs, <laughs> that'd be perfectly normal. I came on with you last year a lot saying, listen, pre-election year is usually strong. The first half of a pre-election is even better. These you don't blindly invest in these cycles and these seasonalities, but they've really played okay. out. So just be aware, first quarter could be a little, uh, little choppy. All right, Ryan, we gave you a couple softballs. You showed your charts. I want to ask you a much tougher question. We've seen the broadening thesis kind of fall apart in recent weeks. Techs continue to show leadership. So as we see these likely gains, the trends tell us the trend is our friend. There could be gains this year. What shows leadership? What shows weakness? Give us a sense of what you see as being up and what, what you see being down. Yeah, well, overall, we think most things will be up. And I, I'll tell you, we still like the small caps, the mid caps, your, your cyclicals. And I know they've pulled back a little bit, specifically small and mid caps, but, you know, kind of peel back the onion, as we like to say. Look at small caps. I mean, small cap tech, small cap, um, you know, CD and small cap industrials have been leading, like making all time highs. So we're not saying small caps are really weak, like so many others are saying. You got the right leadership there. One more thing on the Russell 2, Frank, gained 22% the last two months last year. So that's okay. small caps, huge rally. When you look in history, though, after that, you actually get stronger outperformance year out. So we still think the broadening out is there. We like it. That's the one more thing. Ryan Dietrich, always great to see you. Thank you very much. Appreciate right, we it. Got Thanks, a lot more Frank. to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, much more on the DeSantis dropout and what it could mean for Wall Street favorite Nikki Haley in New Hampshire and beyond. Ed Mills from Raymond James is coming up to weigh in. Plus, stocks in Japan hitting their highest level in more than 30 years with the Nikkei already up 9% this month. We take a closer look at the bull case for Japan and if that rally has more room to run. And later, you've heard of Breakfast with Buffett. Well, how about Lunch with a Legend? What city CEO Jane Frazier is saying about her outing with the Oracle of Omaha. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. 
This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We have a market flash for you right now on Archer Daniels Midland. Shares getting hit hard in the pre-market. You can see they're down more than 10% on word. The ag company has placed its CFO on administrative leave as it investigates accounting practices at the company. The company says it is cooperating with the, F- the SEC after receiving a document request. Shares right now, as we mentioned, down over 2.5%. Uh, Archer Daniels Midland under pressure in the pre-market. All right, turn it back to the broader market. It was a mixed day of trading in Asia. Shanghai and Hong Kong down more than 2% after hitting five-year lows last week. However, the Nikkei continues to move higher, hitting a nearly 34-year high. The BOJ kicking off a two-day meeting today, but is not expected to change policy until the spring. Following a nearly 30% gain last year, the Nikkei is already up 9% in 2024, a weak yen and easy monetary policy attracting investors. In fact, Bank of America reporting Japanese stocks saw their largest inflows in three months last week. And investors, they continue to dump Chinese stocks and what B of A calls the anywhere but China trade. Let's talk much more about this with Eddie Chang, head of international portfolio management at Allspring Global Investments. Eddie, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning. So we continue to see the Nikkei outperform. Tell us, would you suggest that investors just put money broadly into Japan? Or are there certain sectors like we're seeing here in America with tech showing leadership that you think are better investments? So first of all, I think that I'm going to touch on uh, what are the reasons behind this impo- impressive performance of the Japanese equity market since t- 2023. So the first reason is the extremely loose monetary policy you already mentioned. So over the last decade, our research shows that liquidity has been one of the most important drivers of asset prices. So while we expect that Bank of Japan is going to normalize its policy somewhere um, and sometime this year, it is still at an extremely accommodative level. The second reason of this impressive performance is what we see is much more attractive, what we call a Japan Inc., from both valuation and the corporate reform perspective. For example, um, if you look at the Japanese equity from a valuation perspective, it's much more attractive than, for example, US equity, even after an impressive 2023 performance. And then we continue to see this broader earning upgrade and the corporate reform gaining momentum, which are adding to this um, this impressive performance. Gotcha. gotcha. That's kind of the setup. That's why it's so attractive. So let me hit on some of the things you're just talking about. Um, the rates in Japan, nothing's expected during this two-day meeting. But in general, the direction of rates, the expectations, is that good or bad for investors? So I think the picture is much more mixed. On one hand, you do see the headwind potentially is going to fall the equity market because of the increasing sign for BOJ to normalize its policy. At the same time that we also see the global central banks are expected to start to cut in cycle. 
So the stronger currency of Japan might become a, a headwind for the equity market. Right. But on the other hand, as I mentioned earlier, BOJ is only expected to move from uh, even as early as March from what we call a negative interest rate policy right. to zero interest rate policy. Okay, Eddie, let me jump in for a second. So you're giving us yeah. the other hand. I want to go back to the first hand, the weaker yen. No. The dollar's actually risen about 5% compared to the yen year to date. So with that weaker yen right now, does that make uh, Japan broadly an attractive investment? Are you looking at certain sectors, at least while the yen is weaker? Yes. So from a broader uh, a Japanese market, we do see the attractiveness coming from a weaker yen. But on the other hand, uh, through the direction of the travel of this year, that we do see some potential of the stronger yen. And in that case, that I think there are two sectors potentially can benefit from that. Number one is the banking sector. So the relaxation of the yield curve control, as well as exit of the negative interest rate, this is going to help the banking sector to actually repair its return on equity as well as for the profitability. But on the other hand, uh, the tech and the IT sector, which are the sector uh, are going to be less impact in terms of or less sensitivity to the currency movement. And okay. that is a sector that we want to focus on as well. All right. Eddie Chang says banking and tech in Japan, two attractive sectors. Great to see you. Thank you for your time and for your insight. Thank you. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, a look at the cyber rally rocking Wall Street and the stocks leading that sector's charge higher. Stay with us. Much more to come here on WEX. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Francis Rivero with your news updates. And we do have an update on two missing Navy SEALs. After an exhaustive search, U.S. CENTCOM now says the service members are being classified as deceased. The two went in the water off the coast of Somalia on January 11th while they were boarding a ship carrying weapons bound for the Houthi group in Yemen. It was part of the military operations intended to counter rebel attacks on merchant ships in the Red Sea. A privately chartered SpaceX capsule has docked at the International Space Station. The commercial research mission featured a historic first all-European crew, which included Turkey's first-ever astronaut. The Axiom Mission 3 crew will spend 14 days at this station conducting experiments. And now to the NFL playoffs. Patrick Mahomes found himself in enemy territory in his third playoff duel between Josh Allen and the Bills. The back-and-forth battle in Buffalo saw Allen run for two touchdowns, while Mahomes told Travis Kelsey, you belong with me and hit his favorite target for two scores on his own. Well, uh, Casey then took the lead in the fourth as Buffalo struggled to move the ball down the field. But with under two minutes left, the Bills sent out kicker Tyler Bass for a 44-yarder to force overtime. And we know how that ended a heartbreak for Buffalo and their fans. Frank, we send it back to you. I like the way you worked in that, what I'm assuming is a Taylor Swift lyric in there. It seems like every game with the Chiefs is kind of all about Taylor Swift now. 
It, it sure is. And hey, Travis Kelsey hasn't scored since December, right? So yeah, you belong to me when it comes to that, that TD that he got too. It's a lot of fun. I think it adds a little bit of fun to the game. I agree. I'm with you. All right, Francis Rivera, great to see you. Have a great week. You too. All right. We're watching cybersecurity ETFs this morning, and they are moving higher again. Stocks in that sector outperformed the market since the start of new SEC regulations in mid-December that mandate the companies report any material cyber incident to regulators. So according to these new regulations, if a material cyber incident occurs, companies have four business days to file an 8K. Annual reports must now also have a cybersecurity plan. Companies also must describe, this is a quote, describe the board of directors' oversight of risk from cybersecurity threats and management's role and expertise in assessing and managing material risk. Industry giants Palo Alto and CrowdStrike surging double digits as companies look for reliable partners to improve their cyber defenses and compliance on these new reporting standards. There's also an added incentive for companies to increase their cybersecurity spend because there can be real penalties for late reporting or for emissions. There's also implications to the person that's actually requesting the budget, the chief security officer. They now have concerns that they may be personally liable if there is a security incident that happens on their watch. All of those things together are creating a lot of resilience in the budget of companies for cybersecurity technology and services. And speaking of budgets, the latest report from Gartner says those budgets are getting tighter from an expected growth rate of 8 percent down to 6.8 percent this year due to an increased focus on profitability and, quote unquote, change fatigue from AI. Let's discuss if this trend can continue this year. Joining me now is Joe Gallo, software research analyst at Jefferies. Joe, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about the cybersecurity sector in general to start off. Um, cyber stocks outperforming. Do you think that trend can continue throughout the year? Absolutely. As the last speaker mentioned, I think cybersecurity is the top priority of all enterprises. Our own checks are indicative of improving budgets. And with the regulation that you already mentioned, I think that underscores the importance of cybersecurity even further, and that can drive uh, stocks higher. All right. Do you have any top picks in the space? Our, our top picks for the next 12 months are Zscaler and CyberArk. I think they play into that regulation and improving fundamentals. And they're also levered to cloud and SASE, particularly Zscaler. And then our long-term all-stars that we love um, that we think all investors have to own over the long term are CrowdStrike and Palo. Okay. What gives these companies an advantage over other companies? If companies are just in general looking for more protection and the ability to comply with the new standards, what is it about these companies that are making them leaders? For example, Palo Alto up double digits here to date. Yeah, so I think um, regulation helps all companies, right. but these companies in particular are levered to the trends that you want, right? They, their customers are enterprise customers over SMB. They service cloud, which is the highest growth area, also SASE as well, and then their platform so they can consolidate spend, which is really beneficial because if you're a CISO, I mean, at Jefferies, I think we have over 60 solutions. That's a lot of solutions to have to manage and pay for. And so these consolidators of spend can really help um, CISOs and therefore can continue to uh, gain market share. Give a sense of the AI impact on all these stocks in the sector in general. We actually had someone on last week and they said, if cybersecurity can uh, emulate a Drake song, can certainly emulate an email from your boss, and that can you know, impact your vulnerability when it comes to phishing or ransomware. But it's a double-edged sword. As you as an analyst, how do you look at this double-edged sword? Yeah, no, AI is super important. I mean, I think it's the next tidal wave that's driving all software higher. But also, as you mentioned, it increases the threat surface. I mean, we saw this last week where you know, Microsoft was hit 
by some hackers. And so I think it underscores the importance and the improvement that you're going to see in cyber budgets. Um, it's going to continue to be top of mind. And then also securing AI, right? I think a lot of companies are going to think about, hey, how can I unroll Microsoft Copilot in the coming 12 months? Well, you have to make sure that your data and governance controls are in place. The person that will sign off on all of that for Jefferies before we're allowed to implement is our CISO. And so you're seeing the CISO become one of the most important people in each business. Really? Okay. Joe Gallo, great to see your top picks. CrowdStrike, Palo Alto saying that uh, regulation's a big tailwind for the cyber sector. Great to have you here. Thank you. All right, coming up just three weeks into 2024, and already we're seeing it might just turn out to be the year of layoffs. The companies joining the likes of Macy's, Amazon, and Wayfair and more. We'll be right back with that story. Stay with us. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. Building on a fresh record, the S&P 500 kicking off a new trading week at an all-time high. Futures suggesting a new record may be on tap. Then... There were two, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis pulling the plug on his 2024 White House bid. How the Trump versus Haley race stacks up and what each of the candidates could mean for your money. An earnings season, it rolls on with the airlines in focus thanks to a turbulent start to the year, including the impact of the Boeing MAX 9 grounding. It is Monday, January the 22nd, 2024. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I hope you had a great weekend. Let's get you ready to start your first trading day of this week. We're going to pick up half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the markets hovering in record territory following last week's whipsaw action. Take a look right now in the green across the board. The Dow looks like it would open up about 50 points higher. The Nasdaq about a half a percent higher. So a key driver for this week's action, it's earnings. Nearly one third of the Dow set to report and about 69 S&P 500 companies are due out. That includes some big ones. We're talking Netflix, Tesla and United. Much more on United in just a moment. But you can see it is a very full slate this week. We are also checking the bond market with the 10, the 20, and the 30-year yields all at their highest level in more than five weeks. We're going to look at the benchmark right now at 4.11%. That's the yield there, just uh, basis points lower than we saw earlier today. We're also checking the overseas markets. Kind of a mixed session in Asia with Japan's Nikkei climbing more than 1.5% to a new 34-year high. But you can see some of the other indices are under quite a bit of pressure. The Hang Seng down more than 2%. Same story for the Shanghai Composite. We're also getting a look at the early trade over in Europe, taking a look mostly in the green across the board, kind of an inverse to what we saw in Asia. Uh, right now, the DAX and the French CAC, both leading right now up about a third of a percent. Okay, that is your morning setup. Let's now get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana. Hey, Frank, good morning. Solar Edge announcing it will lay off about 900 employees. That's about 16% of its workforce with a focus on its manufacturing sites. Now, it comes as the company looks to carry out a restructuring effort to slash operating costs with its stock down more than 76% in the last year, though up slightly this morning, up about 6.5% in pre-market. Solar Edge joins a growing list of companies that have announced layoffs so far this year, including City, Alphabet, Amazon, Wayfair, and BlackRock. 
Meanwhile, ExxonMobil has reportedly filed a lawsuit in an effort to block a shareholder resolution focused on climate. According to reports, the energy giant is taking on U.S. and Dutch activist investor groups in an effort to remove what it describes as their extreme agenda from the ballot at its annual shareholder meetings. The investors are looking to force Exxon to accelerate the pace of reductions in greenhouse gas emissions. And the Oracle of Omaha reportedly giving Citigroup CEO some advice on the overhaul taking place at her bank. According to Reuters, Warren Buffett and Jane Frazier, they recently got lunch together where Buffett told Frazier to keep going with the reorganization. Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has roughly $2.8 billion stake in Citi and as of last fall and is a top shareholder in the bank. And shares are up just fractionally in the pre-market, Frank. You know, a show of support from a huge shareholder, yeah. just a brilliant financial mind and Warren Absolutely. Buffett, has to feel pretty good. I think so. I think she probably had a pretty good week. Probably. All right. <laughs> Silvana, thank you very much. You got it. All right, turning back to one of this morning's top stories, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ending his bid for the 2024 presidential nomination, announcing his decision in a video statement posted to X just two days before the New Hampshire primary and now endorsing former President Donald Trump. The move leaving Trump and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley as the sole contenders for the nomination. Haley is the final Republican alter alternative to Trump left in the field. She also has emerged as Wall Street's top dog in the race. A report of the weekend saying that Stanley Druckenmiller, Henry Kravis, Ken Langone and Cliff Asnes, they're all co-hosting co a fundraiser for Haley in New York City at the end of this month with tickets going for as high as $33,000. Joining me now on the CNBC Newsline with more is Raymond James, Washington policy analyst Ed Mills. Ed, good morning. It's great to have you here, especially on a morning like this one. Good morning, Frank. All right, so let's just dive right into it, Ed. How should investors view the fact that the GOP field has shrunk down to just Nikki Haley and former President Donald Trump? Yeah, Frank, our view is that looking at polls, looking at the path ahead, this is Trump's nomination to lose, and it does not appear that he will lose it. However, New Hampshire is Nikki Haley's best chance to get momentum. There's crossover voting available among independents and Democrats. Um, but the question really is, where does that DeSantis vote go? Um, with his endorsement of Trump, that gives Trump some late momentum and can prove uh, that this could be the last stand for Haley. But New Hampshire has given us big surprises in the past. Hillary Clinton okay. won it as an upset in 2008, McCain in 2020 but they didn't get the nomination, so that's what we're watching. Okay, could be a surprise. Um, I want to also get your take on Wall Street lining up to support Nikki Haley. Um, there are two economic plans. Which one has the potential to be better for Wall Street, and are you surprised to see so many Wall Street donors lining up to support the former South Carolina governor? I don't. I think that one of the things that I get asked the most at Raymond James is after the election, what happens on the tax cuts? They're looking at the debt and the deficit. Uh, Nikki Haley represents, for a lot of investors, uh, the kind of clearest path to uh, less volatility um, between the two candidates. And so kind of a more kind of, quote unquote, traditional Republican. Uh, so that is not a surprise. That's where they might be lining up. But they are waiting till the end of the month. It's not quite clear if that you know, fundraiser will happen if she doesn't have a strong finish here in New Hampshire. Yeah, certainly a lot to watch there. One other thing I want to ask you about, uh, Trump's economic plan, he's given us some pieces of it. One thing is the 10% tariff, pretty much a broad-based tariff. Um, how should investors view the potential of this tariff fight ramping back up? Um, it could also potentially, I would think, increase tensions with China. 
Yeah, Frank, I spent years during the Trump administration uh, responding to headlines on tariffs. Uh, he called himself the tariff man. And what we saw is a lot of the tariffs that he proposed went into effect. Now, it's not going to be a 10 percent tariff on everything. There is a process, but that certainly is going to weigh on any imports. And in the U.S. relationship with China, um, the expectation is the tariffs ramp up. But what happens to everything else that has been done? Tech exports, are there offsets there? That will be the debate in the market. Yeah, a lot to watch. We're showing the audience right now. Uh, the New Hampshire primary is coming up. And then the South Carolina primary, that's Nikki Haley's home state. But the question it seems like you're asking is, can she make it until then? Ed Mills, great yeah. to see you. Thank you, Frank. All right, switching our gears back to the markets, we're looking at shares of United Airlines set to extend their more than 6% year-to-date decline ahead of earnings after the close today. And it's not just United. Several airline stocks selling off this year as two big events hit the sector. JetBlue's failed merger with Spirit Airlines and the FAA's ongoing investigation into Boeing following that mid-air Alaska Air blowout. Let's talk much more about this with Stephen Trent, airline analyst at Citigroup. Stephen, good morning. It is great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So let's start with United. Uh, earnings coming up later today. What are your expectations for the report and what is your price target and rating? Yeah, certainly. So to give you an, an industry answer on that, um, you know, we are generally more constructive on the large network carriers than we are the ultra low cost carriers. So if one looks at the various puts and takes to uh, the um, network carriers advantage, and you have international long haul, you have this post-pandemic pivot uh, into economy plus uh, type um, uh, seating in the cabin. Uh, you've got a co-branded credit card revenue. Uh, you know, those drivers uh, continue to be very important. Uh, and we think, for example, uh, we're going to continue to see strong trends like we saw uh, with Delta Airlines okay. recently, released, which the market didn't appreciate so much. But all right, so you're, very good. All right, so you're continuing to, to expect more upside. Just by the way, um, the average rating on the street is 60, 65. You're more bullish than that. You also have a buyer rating on United. Um, I want to talk to you about Boeing. How big of an issue is this for the airline sector, really? Uh, a couple airlines are impacted. We're talking Alaska. United's also impacted, so Southwest. But industry-wide, how impactful will this be? Yeah, it's important, and, you know, and the industry has not gotten a break from the supply chain issues, um, whether it's uh, the Max 9 problem we have now. Uh, we have this fan blade issue with uh, the Pratt & Whitney uh, turbofan engine. Um, so the planes are still not in the air. Everybody's still waiting uh, on the FAA to give the, the green light on when we can get these planes back into service. And so meanwhile, while we have these uh, aircraft on the ground, uh, you know, there's revenue spill associated with that, which looks like it's going to be short term. Uh, and probably we get past this particular issue over the short term. Um, but it's okay. a little concerning that we're not done with the supply chain problems. So I want to talk to you about something that appears to have more long term impact, the failed merger between JetBlue and Spirit. Um, I was actually speaking to Ed Bastian a couple weeks ago. He said the airline industry used to be a race to the bottom of the lowest fares. Now it's all about being able to offer optionality. That's what he called it. How does this failed merger, how does it change things? Does it change things at all? Are we making a big deal about it here on CNBC and it's not a big deal? Or will it have ripple effects? Yeah, great question. So I, I do think that when um, 
you know, Mr. Vashton's comments make a lot of sense. You know, which airlines are actually doing well now? Uh, it's those airlines that are offering something well beyond main cabin, you know, whether it's premium cabin, um, a co-branded card, loyalty program revenue. Uh, we've seen a post-pandemic pivot away from no frills seating. Uh, you know, most people are no longer in the office five days a week. This pre-pandemic pattern of fly out Sunday night, fly home Thursday night, be in the office on Friday, that's kind of gone, not entirely gone, uh, but it's broken down. So that shift, that demand has moved away from ultra low cost. At the same time, the uh, U.S. doesn't have the air traffic control capability uh, for a lot of airlines to do these very high, maintain these very high block hour utilization uh, like you saw pre-pandemic. Okay. So, uh, you know, that business model is in a tough spot. Are we seeing the and low I cost see- carriers go away? I mean, is this this failed merger? Is this a sign that we may not see any more of these low cost car- low cost carriers? I don't know if they, you know, that whole subsector disappears, but I would imagine that subsector is going through some soul searching. And, you know, if one simply looks at pre-tax margins, you know, they used to have very high pre-tax margins pre-pandemic, okay. and they were better than network airlines. We're now seeing exactly the opposite. All right. uh, for some of those reasons I outlined, no frills, right. uh, passenger service, um, yeah, is thing of the past. Thing of the past. People yes, want, people want amenities, Stephen. I know. I, I want some legroom, personally. Stephen Trent from City. It's great to see you. Uh, buy a rating on United Airlines. Price target is seventy-one dollars, about an eighty-two percent upside from where it's trading right now. Thank you so much. Great to see you. All right, coming up, U.S. regulars out with a new round with new calls around the Boeing jets at the center of that door panel blowout, plus some signs of hope around the U.S. economy and concerns about a potential recession this year. We have all the details when Wex returns. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We start with Oppenheimer downgrading its rating on Home Depot. It says while current share valuations are not necessarily stretched, data suggests that the home improvement sector is facing weakish consumer demand factors. Taking a look at shares, they're down fractionally right now. HSBC downgrading its rating on Lululemon to hold. It says while the fitness apparel maker has significantly outperformed the sector in the past, that performance gap is likely to narrow over this year and the next. Shares of Lululemon unchanged in the pre-market. And UBS is upgrading its rating on J.B. Hunt, moving it to buy and its price target to $234 per share. UBS saying it sees evidence of J.B. Hunt's intermodal margin likely reaching a bottom and growing cycle leverage intermodal. That's container shipping, just FYI. All right, time now for your global briefing. We're going to start with Japan's Nikkei hitting a fresh 34-year high, closing more than 1.5% higher, led by chip stocks following Taiwan Semiconductor's positive earnings report last week. This headed the country's key central bank decision tomorrow, with many investors expecting the Bank of Japan to maintain ultra-low interest rates. Also in Japan, Sony calling off its $10 billion merger of its Indian operations with Z Entertainment, citing disagreements over who would lead that combined company. The deal, which was announced over two years ago, was seen as a potential major market mover for both companies as they navigate the highly competitive media industry, though Sony says the failed merger will not have any material impact on its fiscal 2024 results. You can see shares of Sony, they're actually moving almost 2% higher. Z Entertainment down just about 1.5%. An online gaming company, Kindred Group, receiving an all-cash takeover bid from French lottery giant FDJ, who was set to require Kindred's entire outstanding share capital. 
The Wall Street Journal had first reported that offer, saying the deal could be valued at right around two and a half billion dollars. You can see right now shares of Kinder Group, they're up almost 17 percent. The French company also up almost six percent. All right, coming up, the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus where our next guest says the markets, they may be stuck in a holding pattern with the S&P sitting at a fresh all-time high. Also, if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more WEX coming up in a minute. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at the pre-market gainers for the S&P 500. You see PayPal up just over 3%. Constellation Brands up about 2%. Western Digital's in there as well. The chipmaker up 1.5%. And then the Dow gainers as well. Remember, the indices hitting new record highs. Intel leading the Dow right now at 1.3% gain. Salesforce right behind with Cisco Systems as well. All right, turning now to your WEX wrap-up. We start with U.S. regulators recommending airlines expand their inspections of Boeing jets beyond the MAX 9 to include those not involved in those Alaska Airlines door panel blowout. Taking a look at shares of Boeing right now, it's down about 2.5% in the pre-market. This is JetBlue and Spirit Airlines appeal a court decision blocking their $3.8 billion merger. Also, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ending his bid for the 2024 presidential nomination just two days before the New Hampshire primary and now endorsing former President Donald Trump. Arkhouse Management and Brigade Capital Management threatening to bring their $5.8 billion bid to take Macy's private directly to Macy's shareholders. This after Macy's rejected the group's proposal over deal financing and valuation concerns. Shares of Macy's right now up almost 1.5%. Shares of Archer Daniels Midland getting hit hard in the pre-market on word the ag company has placed its CFO on administrative leave as it investigates accounting practices at that company. The company says it's now cooperating with the SEC after receiving a document request. Also this morning, Baird saying it's cutting its rating and price target on ADM. Shares of Archer Daniels Midland right now down over 14%. Terraform Labs filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy following the collapse of its Terra and Luna crypto coins in 2022. This is the company navigates ongoing legal challenges, including the arrest of co-founder Du Quan. And a new poll by the National Association of Business Economics showing more than 90% of economists believe the U.S. economy should avoid a recession this year. That's up from 79% in a previous survey. Here's what to watch in the week ahead. Two key central bank decisions from the Bank of Japan on Tuesday and the European Central Bank on Thursday. A very closely watched economic report also out, including real GDP, new home sales and core PCE on Friday, but perhaps the most market moving will be earnings this week. We have a diverse batch of names with nearly one-third of the Dow set to report, plus Tesla and Netflix and all. We're looking at 69 S&P 500 companies and nine Dow components, including Verizon, 3M, Johnson & Johnson, and Intel, all reporting. A very busy slate this week. Ahead of all that, let's see how we're shaping up to kick off the new trading week. Futures right now solidly in the green, as we've been telling you all morning long. Looking like the Dow would open up more than 50 points higher than NASDAQ, up over a half a percent. For much more, let's bring in Degas Wright, Founder, CEO, and CIO at Decatur Capital and a CNBC contributor. Degas, always a pleasure. Good morning. Frank, it's great to be on with you. So give us a sense, Degas. We're seeing the indices hit new record highs, seeing a lot of bullishness out there. How do you see today shaping up? What's your wax word of the day? The wax word of the day is bundle. Those firms that can bundle artificial intelligence with their current product or services will be successful. All right, so as you're talking about bundling right now, are there any certain stocks you're thinking about, or I should say certain sectors? You gave us some picks. I want to wait a second to get to those. But what sectors are you looking at that you believe have that ability to bundle? 
technology and also healthcare are the leading uh, sectors that can really bundle artificial intelligence in their products and services. All right. So you're looking at those sectors. I want to go through a couple of your names right now. You gave us three. They're pretty interesting. One is Microsoft, obviously kind of follows in that theme. Um, Another one, KLAC and also Regeneron. Um, Out of the three of those, which one do you expect to do the best, at least in the near term? Remember, a lot of anticipation of Fed cuts. But as you look at your picks, which one are you the most bullish about right now? I'm the most bullish about Microsoft because one is that it's really done a great job of integration of AI into their products and services from being with Copilot, Azure Cloud, and those uh, applications are really doing well. All right, certainly. Um, I also want to look ahead to something that continues to move the market. It's earnings and also the Fed. One thing that you're looking at is the Atlanta Fed's uh, metric of sticky inflation coming in at 4.6%. In your mind, what does that mean for some of the earnings that we're going to see? And then what does that mean about the Fed's decisions when it comes to rates? Yeah, one of the things with the sticky CPI, they, we, the Fed wants to target that to get it to about 2.5 before they even think about easing. So we're looking at still uh, a, probably a pause till we can bring down that sticky CPI because that sticky CPI is really difficult to get under control. And the Fed is going to have to be resolute to get that under control. All right. So you're saying the Fed has to be resolute. So do you agree with the market that we may see six, maybe seven cuts this year or with the Fed is signaling just three? And again, how does that impact the markets going forward the rest of the year? Yeah. So what we're seeing is that we're not seeing six, definitely not six easings. What we're seeing is that there could be uh, easing late 2024. So we're very concerned about getting that sticky CPI under control. All right, we'll have to continue to watch. So, again, Degas writes your picks are Microsoft, Regeneron, uh, also KLAC. Uh, very bullish on tech, apparently. We'll have to see if tech continues to show leadership today. Um, I do want to ask you one more question. We have seen a bit of a rise in rates. How would you play tech right now where, in general, we're seeing higher valuations but also rates moving higher? Once again, we look at that AI theme. And so you want to focus on those companies such as the mega cap disruptors, those companies that are suppliers to the artificial intelligence industry, and also those companies that can do applications. So you really have to look under the hood and understand the companies and how AI could impact their business. All right. What do you think about the markets hitting new record highs, making you feel bullish or a little concerned right now that it's going to have to pull back? We are still bullish risk on in this market because we feel that the Aspects of the market, artificial intelligence, you talked about cybersecurity earlier. Those are still going to be drivers into uh, 2024. Degas, we got to leave it right there. As we mentioned all morning long, futures are higher right now. Looks like the Dow would open up about 50 points higher. That's going to do it for us. Squawk Box coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com now. 